for the, for the message tonight, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, you could find this on page 956 in the Bibles provided in the chairs, if you'd like to follow along with us. Our focus this evening is on verses 19 through 23, but for the fuller context, I'm going to, be start, I'm going to start reading from verse 13, verse 13. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. When he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, a voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Let us again pray. Father, we pray that you will guide us into your word, into your truth. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand what it means that your son, Jesus Christ, is the true Israel. That he is greater than Moses. And that the gospel he brings is greater than the law. Father, we pray that you would guide us through the power of your Holy Spirit in this time. In Christ's name, amen.
As we continue looking at Matthew chapter 2, as I read earlier, we see where Jesus is born, and we see where the devil is trying to destroy the Christ. We can see where the darkness is trying to overcome and put out the light. This has been the story throughout the scriptures. Evil tries to destroy good. The devil and the demonic and all those who rage against God, they try to destroy God and the people of God. But again, there was a promise in Genesis. Remember that promise? When God turned to the serpent and he cursed him, and he made clear that the offspring of Eve, yes, yes, the devil will strike his heel but he will crush the serpent's head. And we understand in John, if you look at John chapter 1, you have one of the greatest promises you can find in Scripture concerning the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. If you turn to John chapter 1, this would be page one thousand. And 49 in the Bibles in the chairs. We see where John explains the same reality. That no matter how hard evil tries to overcome good, God is sovereign in his plan for redemption, in his plan for saving a people of his own, and his ways will be victorious. So John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. If you continue down in John to verse 10, you see where this continues. John 1 verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So we see where Jesus is the incarnation. We see where Jesus is the eternally begotten Son of God. Jesus is God. We understand God, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this Jesus, who is the Word, as described in John 1, through Jesus, the spoken Word, through Christ, everything is made. And He comes to His creation, and God sends Him to the manger. 
He sends them to humility, and we see that Jesus' life is marked with humility after humility after humility. Whether it's wrapped in cloths in a manger, whether it's the mocking and persecution and opposition of Herod, whether it's the opposition of the scribes and Pharisees and religious leaders during his ministry, or whether it's even Christ in his most glorious form in his crucifixion on the cross when the religious leaders are mocking him. And they mock him and they say, just come down and we'll believe you. Just come off the cross. And they mocked and laughed and jeered and spit as Jesus hung on the cross. We understand that the way of Christ is the road of humility and suffering. But, oh, this road of humility and suffering of Christ from His birth to His death is the road of glory. It's the road of glory. Because Jesus did not stay dead. The tomb is empty. And He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And we long for the day when Christ will come back Oh, when Christ comes back, it isn't in swaddling clothes. No, no. He comes back as the the glorious reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. He reigns now, and when He comes again, His kingdom will come, and we will see it in full. Everything. The new heaven and new earth. God dwelling with His people, and all will be made right. As we see in Matthew, Matthew has this scene where Jesus is born and Herod tries to take his life and you hear the crying and the weeping of the countless children in Bethlehem and the surrounding region that are slaughtered at the command of Herod. But you have a promise that when this Christ returns and all God's people are gathered Together, all those who believe in Christ, all those who know Christ and love Him and are saved in Him. No matter what the pain, no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the torment, God Himself will wipe away every tear. Every tear. That's how we can rejoice in all circumstances. That's how we can have a joy that is unspeakable and beyond our comprehension. Knowing that God is a good God. And He's working everything for good for those who love Him and are in Him. And as we look at Christ, we we looked... Yesterday, how Christ is the Israel. We see where Israel was liberated from Egypt by God, yet Israel was not faithful. They fell in idolatry. They broke the commandments. They did not obey the law. But we see where Jesus, 
Jesus goes and he becomes the true Israel, the fulfillment of everything that Israel could never do. As God said, his son will be in Egypt. Well, now in this text where we look here in Matthew 2, starting at verse 19, we see where Jesus is not only the true Israel, but he's the true Moses. He's the fulfillment of everything that Moses was to be. He is ultimately greater than Moses. And as you see here where Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, working through the Old Testament, he wants to make clear that this Jesus who Joseph takes, Mary and Jesus, and flees to Egypt, that this was all within God's sovereign will and plan. And it was for a purpose. It was a purpose. So again, if you look at Matthew 2, verse 19, it says, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. Now, those are very carefully selected words by Matthew. Because if you go to Exodus chapter 4, you're going to see the same exact words. Matthew wants you to see that this Jesus is the true Israel and that this Jesus is the true Moses. So you see these words are very carefully selected. So if you go to Exodus chapter 4, we're going to see these same exact words spoken. Exodus chapter 4. Starting at verse 18. The context of Exodus 4. Moses, remember he had to flee Egypt. He had a moment where he thought in some way he was going to liberate his people by killing one of the slave masters who was mistreating one of the slaves, and he had to flee for his life. And Moses has been out, and he's been a shepherd for all this time. And here we see in Exodus 4, it is time for Moses to go back to Israel. So Exodus 4, starting at verse 18. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. They're dead. And this is where we see Moses, where God is going to send Moses and Aaron. And Moses is going to go, and God is going to use him to let God's people go. To set the people of God free. To free them from the bondage of Pharaoh. To free them from the bondage of slavery. And God has made the way. He has removed the obstacles and he's going to use Moses. Now, yes, Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened. 
And God is going to use Pharaoh's hard heart to display his glory, to display his power. Yet we see here this this statement, go back to Egypt, for all the men who are seeking your life are dead, given to Moses by God. And here we see where this is the same message given to Joseph in verse 20. Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And we see again where Joseph is obedient. He takes the child and mother and he goes back. Yet, there is a problem. And this is verse 22. And when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father. In the place of his father. This is an instance where like father, like son. Archelaus, he wasn't even ever declared king. He was allowed to rule for a certain point, but Caesar, Caesar knew there was issues with Archelaus. And Archelaus only ruled for 10 years and he was removed. And that's how eventually you get the situation where Pontius Pilate is governor over Judea. Archelaus was just as ruthless, just as cruel as his father. And his reign did not go well in Judea. So it was not safe. Archelaus was a murderer like his father Herod. So we see where the angel warns. And that's at the end of verse 22. And being warned to the dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. Now this is an amazing moment in the scriptures because earlier in the text we saw where Hosea was fulfilled. That God's son would would go to Egypt and be freed and we saw where Jeremiah was fulfilled. And now we have another fulfillment of a prophecy. Again, God's showing that he is sovereign and everything that he's decided and planned will come true. But the amazing thing about this prophecy is no one knows where it is. No one. No one knows where this is in the Old Testament. Exactly like this. Now, there are, there's speculation We try to understand and look through. But there is no one who can absolutely tell you this is a fulfillment of this specific verse or this specific prophecy. It's a bit of a mystery here. A bit of a mystery here with verse 23. But the best understanding that one can come up with, understand this, that he would be a Nazarene, the best, best understanding, I think, is the understanding of what Nazarene means, what the word means. But again, 
I can't tell you that this is absolutely what was in the mind of Matthew. But the key thing with Nazarene is Nazarene, the word Nazarene is the same word from the same key. If you take the letters in the Hebrew and and the root word behind Nazarene is of root. A little root or a little shoot or a little twig. It was used in the language to denote something inferior, something little, something of no significance or regard. Again, as I said, the the path of Jesus was one of humility. The path to glory was one of humility and suffering and persecution. So you can see how if this is what Matthew is referring to in Matthew 2:23 you can see how it fits so well throughout the scriptures. Again Isaiah 11 which we read for the advent candle lighting. Isaiah 11 verse 1 there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. You have this amazing description of, of the mighty tree of Israel being chopped and leveled because of their disobedience and their rebellion against God, yet because God made a covenant and made a promise that a shoot will come up out of that dead stump. Glory. That Christ would come out of the people of Israel. Though they had been judged, God is faithful and will bring forth this shoot. The promised Messiah, the promised Savior. You see this throughout the scriptures, this understanding of Christ. That in his humility, God brings up the glory. God portrays who Christ is again and again in this way. Another key area is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 1. Again, we get this depiction of Christ, the one who would be born and live and come from such a humble place of no regard. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Speaking of Christ... For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. 
So you have Christ born in the lowly manger. You have Christ, a refugee who has to flee to Egypt because people are trying to kill him. You have Jesus, still a refugee, leaving Egypt and Joseph seeking a place where they can live in safety. And you have Jesus growing up in Nazareth. A place that was not considered of any importance or significance. A place that was considered backward and of no good. Nazareth had such a reputation that you'll see Nathaniel's response concerning Nazareth. If you look at John chapter 1, you have in John chapter 1, starting at verse 45, when Philip is excited because Philip has found the Messiah. He's found the Savior. He's found the Christ. He, oh, this is great. And he's running and he wants to share. And he, he runs to Nathaniel. So John chapter 1, starting at verse, verse 45. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, oh, he's so excited. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And here's Nathanael's response. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Just, you can't believe this. Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And that's a reference that takes you back to Genesis 28, verse 12. Remember Jacob and his dream? Jacob had a dream. And on that dream, he saw that ladder, that stairway to heaven. And he looked at the stairway, and there were the angels descending. And ascending on the stairway. And he said, surely this is the house of God. But what's amazing here is we see Jesus is making clear 
Even though Nathaniel had his reservations, even though he questioned how anything good could come from Nazareth, Philip told him, come and see. See Jesus for yourself. Listen to Jesus for yourself. Come. Listen. See. Your heart will be changed. And that's ultimately my hope for every single one of us. In the midst of the rest of tonight, in the midst of tomorrow, in the midst of food and gifts and other activities, my hope is this, that everyone will take time to come to Jesus. Read from Matthew chapter 2. Read from John chapter 1. Read from Luke, first two chapters. Just just fill your hearts and minds with the story of the birth, the escape from death, and living for God in Nazareth, story of Jesus Christ. Come to Him. Come and see. It can be hard for some people. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you, if you, if you don't believe in Him, if, if for you, you, you say, what? what good to me is a Jew who lived over 2,000 years ago and who's been dead for all these years? Well, first of all, I encourage you to know that He's alive. But also I'd encourage you this. If you have a struggle understanding how Jesus could be of any worth or any importance for you, I tell you what Philip said. Come and see. Read God's word. See Jesus Christ in all his glory and all his suffering. See Jesus Christ in His miracles. See Jesus Christ on the cross. Know that Christ is risen. And know that He's coming again. That's my hope and prayer for every one of us. That as we consider Christmas Eve and tomorrow Christmas Day, that we will all come and see Jesus Christ the humble and glorious King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you so loved the room that you gave your only begotten Son so that whoever would believe in Him and trust in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, Father, we thank you. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.